wow. I feel like we're getting shiggy today. We got our shiggy on on today. I'll explain what that means a little bit later in the teaching, but we're in the book of Habakkuk today in the in the Old Testament as we're working our way through the through the minor prophets and the through the Bible series and uh, we get to we get to overhear an important conversation. Have you ever been privy to a conversation you weren't supposed to be listening to? Those are fun, aren't they? Some of you maybe were that kid who you're always like sneaking up on your parents and kind of hiding behind the couch or something so you could hear what they're talking about. Go ahead, raise your hand if you were that kid. Yeah, that's what I thought. Nobody at one will confess to that. It's fun to hear overhear stuff. And uh, it's fun to overhear, it's helpful to overhear people talk to God, I think. Uh, in John chapter 17, when Jesus prayed that famous prayer, and he prayed it out loud so it could be recorded so we could listen in. And that, that's, that's just an exciting passage to read about God's heart for the church, that he wants us to be one as he and the Father are one. And uh, it's an exciting passage. Uh, the book of Jeremiah for me is a lot, an overheard conversation between Jeremiah and God. You know, when God calls Jeremiah, they have this conversation, and Jeremiah goes, I'm just a kid. And God says, I know you're a ki- I know how old you are. I know. And he said, in fact, I've known you from before you were knowable. I, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He said, before I formed you, I knew you. That's a mind blower. Where are we before this? I don't know. But God knows. He said, before I formed you, I knew you, and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. So you overhear this conversation. So then Jeremiah says, okay, I'll do it. And and he goes, and he's, he's a prophet, and he has some really difficult times. And in the, in the, in the con- process of that, he gets to the place where he says, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is, this is hard. People are hurting me. They're, they're physically beating me. They threw me into a cistern. Lord, have you ever been in a cistern? I was in prison. Uh, all these things happened to Jeremiah. And at one point, he, he just says to God, I'm not going to do this anymore. And if you just read, kind of listen to the conversation there, God kind of just lets it go, kind of like, okay, as you wish. If you think that's going to be better, it's all right. There's a little Hebrew pause there. And then Jeremiah goes, ah. He says, if, if, if I keep silent, your word is shut up within me like a fire in my bones. You've ruined me. This is great to overhear these conversations in the Bible. The book of Habakkuk is another one of those conversations between the prophet Habakkuk and the Lord. He, he, he calls out to the Lord. The Lord answers. He calls out again. The Lord answers. And then Habakkuk responds. And the whole, the whole bit of it is, is, a, is overhearing a conversation. The context and flow of Habakkuk is pretty simple. Habakkuk is prophesying 
right before the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians. Remember last week in the history lesson, Nahum was prophesying to Nineveh. They were Assyrian that the Babylonians were coming. Well, that's all happened now. And in Habakkuk now, the Babylonians are the big dog in the world, and they're about to take over Jerusalem in the same way that Assyria took over Samaria and carted the northern kingdom off um, 100-plus years earlier. And so that's what's happening. Um, and, and there's a flow to this overheard conversation between Habakkuk and God. And it starts where Habakkuk just arrogantly complains. It starts out in verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. You've probably never been there, have you? How long? How long? You don't listen or, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Do you hear, do you hear the level of, I wouldn't call it passion, I'd call it arrogance. He's, he's so presumptuous in saying to God, you're doing this wrong. He's saying this to God, isn't he? This is wrong, and you're not doing anything about it. Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. And so he calls out to God as, as Habakkuk the prophet, and then the Lord answers. And uh, the Lord sternly answers him beginning in verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on guilty men whose strength is their God. So he responds to his complaint. Oh, you think I'm doing this wrong? I'm on this. I'm on this, he says. I'm dealing with the injustice because I'm raising up the Babylonians who are going to come and devour everything in their path. Habakkuk then humbly explains his complaint. His whole tone changes. He responds to God by saying, O Lord, <laughs> O Lord, just to surrender to the name of God. You see how he started his original complaint? How long, O Lord, must I call for help? He says, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them. He says, I'm getting it now. You've appointed them to execute judgment. O rock, you have ordained them to punish. 
You see, you hear his humility. He says, now that I've heard that, Lord, I am bowed before you. He said, but here is his complaint. He said, Lord, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Isn't he asking the question, can you really employ evil to do good? How can you even look at the Babylonians and consider, let alone consider them your servant? Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Here's his question. He's saying, do you love them more than us? That you tolerate the Babylonians coming to swallow up Israel, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, who are more righteous than the Babylonians? You have made them like fish in the sea, like creatures that have no rulers, like they're everywhere. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net. These Babylonians are going to come in. They're going to be so effective in their, in their technology of doing this that they're going to worship themselves. He sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Boy, it's hard not to make a present application, isn't it? Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? So his question is so humble, but it's like, Lord, you, you of course, are, are doing something about it. But seriously, are, is it the Babylonians that you love more than us now that you would allow them to prosper while we're devoured by them? And then God sternly answers back. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. He's saying, see, you're right. Babylonian is all puffed up. They're all self-empowered. And you're about to be overtaken by them. But the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith in the fulfillment of God's goodness for them. The righteous will live by faith in the coming day. It will be a terrible time, it says, for the people of Jerusalem. It will be a terrible time. But the righteous, the righteous, because remember he said, do do you love them more than the righteous? And he said, the righteous are still in Jerusalem, and they, they will endure this because they'll live by faith. Faith in God, trust in God, that in the most perilous circumstances, they still have trust in God. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. And then back to Babylon. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant, but never at rest, because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? 
Then you will become their victim because you have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and every, everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. He's speaking against Babylon. He's saying, yes, Habakkuk, you're right. I'm just using them for my purposes, but they will be destroyed. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth, now here's where he turns into the future. He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that's what, how the righteous live. They live by faith in the promise of the coming day, though the times are perilous. And he says, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn, Babylon. He's saying, Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed man's blood, you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol, Babylon, since a man has carved it, or an image that he teaches lies? For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And so this is his response. He says, yes, I'm going to use Babylon. I'm going to use Babylon to bring judgment on the nation of Israel. And in doing that, I will complete my purposes, and then I will destroy Babylon. But he said to him, there's a better day coming when the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. That there's a purpose in this, he's saying to Habakkuk. And then, and then Habakkuk then responds by boldly worshiping God. In chapter 3, he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In your wrath, remember mercy. So in your wrath, as you come thundering through, remember mercy toward the righteous. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. This is the day coming. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. Plague went out before Him. Pestilence followed His steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You split the earth. You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. 
sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing. In wrath, you strode through the earth, and in anger, you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. So he's saying, this is what you did in judgment. And he said, I heard, I heard, and my heart pounded. He said, when I heard you coming, my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, here's what he's saying, though for right now the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Lord, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. This is what he's saying. He starts out saying, God, are you not paying attention to anything? God says, I am paying attention to everything. And I am raising up a judgment. I am raising up a judge. And it's going to be Babylon. And Habakkuk says, Lord, Babylon? Babylon, seriously, you would use someone known to us so evil as a method of your judgment and your cleansing? Aren't we more righteous than they? And he says, that's why. I'm using them to rescue the remnant, to rescue those who still are living by faith, still clinging to the Lord God in the midst of so, so much adversity, so much debauchery, so much corruption. I'm rescuing you. And then Habakkuk says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. You're awesome. Would you renew them? Would you just renew them in our day? In our time, would you make them known? Would you just come now and do what we need you to do? I know you can. And so I declare that you will. The hot spot for this week is the whole, it really starts in chapter 3, but it's the whole chapter. It's the whole chapter where he says this, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them. You hear the declaration of it? It's It's not a complaint anymore. Now it's a declaration by faith. Renew them in our day, in our time, Make them known. Is that your heart? Isn't that your heart? You read this Bible, and you learn about Jesus, and you see that Jesus for three years went around healing so many, delivering so many, doing the things that would be amazing to see him do. And if you keep reading, you see that many people came to salvation because of the miracles of Jesus and because of the miracles of the first century church. In this time reading through the Bible this year, 
I'm to the book of Acts in the New Testament, and I, I'm just underlining the, how many times it says, and people believe because of this miracle that just happened. That this is, that this is the very core of true evangelism, is that people would see the work of the Lord and, and surrender their lives to Him. It happened over and over and over again in the Bible. And as a Bible reader like me, aren't you just wanting to say, Lord, I've heard of that. I've heard, I've heard of your fame. And I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them. In our day, in our time, make them known. And that's the spirit of his prayer. I know that because of verse 1. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigenoth. On Shigenoth. That explains it all, right? How many of you, like me, when you're reading your Bible and it says, you're reading a psalm and it says a masquil or something like that, and you go, da, whatever. Some, you know? Sometimes you bother to look at the footnote and it so typically says something like an obscure literary or musical term or something like that. Basically, whoever's making the footnote goes, I don't know, right? And basically what they're saying is, I don't care either, right? It's like, why would we stop on Shiganoth? Do you suppose that's part of the context? You suppose that that might even be important? On Shiganoth. Hmm. So when you start studying it, you, you got to work pretty hard to find anybody of any reputation who can explain this to us because it is so overlooked like so many of the others. On Shiganoth means it comes from a Hebrew word which the root of it means to wander. To wander. And so what that means is that this is a, this is a, it is a musical term, and so this is a song. He, uh, Habakkuk 3 is a song, but it's a wandering song. It's a song that rhythmically wanders, that sometimes is fast and sometimes is slow. It has a wandering nature to it. But here's what I know. I know from studying it that a shiganoth is always a song of victory. It's always a song of triumph. And so when Habakkuk says, Oh, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. It is not the way we used to sing this verse in the vineyard. How many of you remember this verse from years ago? Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Oh, Lord. And it was a dirge. It was fine. It was an expression. But technically, it's out of context. It's out of context. This is, oh, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Renew them. I shake it off. It was an expression of victory. There are ten different Hebrew terms in the Old Testament, that have to do with music. You know, you're reading along and it says, Selah, and you go, nah, okay. That probably means take a break. 
probably what happened was they would be singing a psalm, and, and you see it right here in, in Habakkuk chapter 3. Every now and then, there's a Selah. What that means is they sing, and then they take a break. They just Somebody just plays and people dance. It's just, it's just take a break from singing. Now just dance to what you just proclaimed. It's not, it's hey, an expression of what you said you believe is true. Now dance it out. Dance it out. We see another phrase, sometimes a masquille. A masquille is a, it comes from the Hebrew word prudent or careful. And what it means is uh, as, a, as a, kind of a, a kind of a song, it's contemplative. You, it's thoughtful. It's meditative. I have a fear for the church. After more than 20 years in the vineyard, I have a fear for the church. And that is that we have moved away from Shigion almost entirely to Maskeel. There was a day, I remember, I fought against people saying this phrase because it just bothered me so much, but I heard it over and over again in my early days in the vineyard. It's kind of like, welcome to the vineyard. You're coming from a place where you sang songs about God. Well, here we sing songs to God. And there was kind of this implication of arrogance in it that was so unbecoming. Because, you know, we don't sing, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. We don't sing that. We don't sing stuff about God. We sing songs to God. And there was a sense of enjoyment about that, but I know Karen and I came in and we just said, do we have to pick? Can't we do both? Can't we? Can't we sing songs like the Bible? The Bible talks a lot about God. I don't know if you've noticed this. A lot. Can't we proclaim what is true about God? That's that's more shiggy. That's getting shiggy. Are you feeling this? Proclaiming the truth about God. Why do we do this? Well, we do this because of what Habakkuk did here. You proclaim the truth about God so that you can step into what you just proclaimed. There's power in this. When you proclaim the truth about God, then you have a space to step into what you just proclaimed. Because the words of your mouth matter. And so when you proclaim the power of God, when we proclaim it together as a gathered church, we create space for the kingdom of God, for the power of God to be displayed among us. When we consistently focus our worship on the contemplative, we're looking at our feet. We're looking at ourselves. There's there's an important aspect of contemplation. But I just fear that we have moved so far that way that we're neglecting the declaration of who God is. And when we declare that, we can step into it. It makes a difference. 
Habakkuk is saying this in a, in a Shigion way. He's saying, I've heard of your fame. I, I'm in awe of your deeds. You came from, your glory covered the heavens. Your splendor was like the sunrise. Even plague went out and ran from your presence. Did you rage against the sea, Lord? Was that you? Was that you? And he just declares the power of God. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows. That's how you read Habakkuk 3. I heard, he said, my heart pounded. My heart just pounded at the thought of you coming. I heard, and my lips quivered at the thought of you coming into our presence. He said, you know, though, the fig tree doesn't bud. There are no grapes on the vines. The olive crop fails. Fields, you know, that it's a bad day. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Lord, the Sovereign Lord, is my strength. And when we declare that, something happens. We create space for us to walk into. You know, uh, the Word of Faith movement 20, 30 years ago that started off so well and just went off the rails because of excessive selfishness, they really did have it right. The name it and claim it thing, of course, got out of hand, but they really did have it right. Declare it. Declare it. If you declare it, you create space for it to be real. You proclaim it, then you go get it. That's Shigion. God spoke to Joshua, and he said, you're going to cross over there. And he said, I'm going to give you whatever you mark out with your own feet. He said, Joshua, you take a walk. You take a long walk. Because whatever, wherever you walk, I'm going to give you that land. And Joshua was struck then with a decision, wasn't he? Well, can't we just do it from here? Can't I just tell you from my chair? No, you can't tell him from your chair. you got to get up, you got to declare it, and you got to walk into it. When David faced Goliath, he stood there with what? He stood there with his little slingshot, five rocks in his pocket, and he said, Goliath, you come against me with sword and javelin and spear, and you are one big friggin' dude. I'll give you that, he said. That's in Hebrew, okay? You are one big dude. He said, but I come against you. Here he declares something. I come against you in the name of the living God whose armies you have defied, and I'm about to cut off your head. And then he stepped into it, and he did it. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move, but you've got to say it. You've got to declare it. Paul was in prison when he said, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then he did. It starts by saying it, by declaring it. That's what Shigion is. It's declaring it. Lord, I've heard of your fame. And I stand in awe of the story of you. That's amazing. Now, do it. Renew them. Renew them. Renew them. That's where you come in. What happens next is really up to you. I know what I'm going to do next. I'm going to declare some stuff. I'm going to declare Shigion. I'm going to get Shiggy. I'm going to declare the kingdom of God, the power of God.
I first encountered Shigion 22 years ago. I wouldn't have known to call it that, but it was my first trip to India. And Pastor Stephen, I hardly knew him. He said, by the way, bring your guitar. I said, all right. So I brought my guitar. I didn't know what I was going to do since I didn't speak anybody's language, but I brought my guitar. Discovered pretty quickly that they knew enough English to be able to repeat it. So we did two songs there, a whole bunch, echo songs. One was, we declare that the kingdom of God is here. We said that. I could sing that out, and then they would sing those words. And, man, it got altitude. And we'd do it for 25 minutes, that song. And it got altitude really fast. The other song I did was an echo song. I thought I could line it out, and they could say it. was, You Are Mighty. You Are Mighty. And that was an interesting song, too. You know, to this day, when I go there, when I go to India, somebody puts a guitar in my hand and say, We declare. We declare. <laughs> somebody does that every single time. We declare. They remember that from 22 years ago. The other song is You Are Mighty. And that's where I really learned what Shigion was because it is a wandering song. You know the way we keep an even tempo here? Well, in India, when you're standing there, maybe there's a couple hundred people there in a regular church service, there's about 10% of them who have some kind of a noise-making device, a percussionary disaster. They have drums that they bring, and they have little cymbals within their hands, and sometimes little clanky things. And so as soon as whatever song you do, they start going, tong, 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 tong. And so I remember doing You Are Mighty, and we're going, oh, this is going great. They're really digging this, tong, 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 tong. And then about 10 or 15 minutes into it, I realized something. I was no longer leading this song. Because you know how fish are in a school, and they'll all turn at once, and you don't know how they all knew to do that at that instant? They just all know to suddenly speed up. And it's going much faster than what we started it. And I'm the fish going, are we doing something different here? That's Shigion because it has a wandering kind of rhythm. When we get the band to come up, we're going to declare the kingdom of God. We're just going to take a minute to get Shiggy, see what God wants to do. <laughs> 